There's a part of every one of us that seeks after God, isn't there? You know, you think about the idea of the God of the universe, you know, out there in control of all things, that, that he might be interested in you and in me and in the minutia of our daily moment-by-moment -moment lives. And just the thought of that kind of thrills our hearts, doesn't it? Well, the cool part about today is that we're going to learn how to experience that, how any one of us, no matter who we are or what we've done, can experience more of the presence of God in our lives. For starters, uh, there's a few building blocks here. And the, the first one is to appreciate that this hunger for God, that this desire to seek after him that the video uh, uh, portrayed is actually something that's been hardwired into us. It's part of the way we were made as human beings. In Genesis chapter two, it says this in verse seven, the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now this is in the second chapter of the Bible. It's in the first two chapters of what's called the creation narrative. And whether you're a Bible person or maybe more of a science person, doesn't really matter because what the verse isn't intending to do is describe this mouth to mouth or mouth to nose or whatever kind of process whereby God resuscitates a person to life for the very first time. Um, this is actually more of a spiritual commentary where in the more accurate language, God is breathing into humanity the breath of his life, meaning his spiritual life. And when it says that the, the man became a living being, it's talking about them becoming spiritually alive. And from the very onset of the way that God intended humanity to live, he designed humanity to function in close intimacy with him, fueled by and in constant recognition of his presence. That's the way we were made. That's why we hunger after him. That's why we, we seek after God. Because in our fallen condition, having strayed and gone independent from God in all of our lives, we find ourselves you know, having God's life withdrawn from us and now longing to experience that again. The reason that we long for God is because God made us that way that all of us were made to experience life enjoying God's presence in an ongoing way. Well, in addition, the second building block is to appreciate that this is why the good news of Jesus is in fact such good news. You know, many people, even outside the church, uh, would understand the historical reality of Jesus of Nazareth. They'd believe that he was a significant historical figure, a good guy, perhaps, uh, definitely a moral teacher who maybe arguably did some cool stuff, maybe even miraculous stuff. Some might even believe that his death was intended to forgive the sin of humankind. But all of those people may forget what the climax of his intent and his coming to earth was all about. Because as much as all of that was significant, the climax came with his miraculous resurrection. And he hints when he was on earth teaching his original disciples, he hints as to why that will be so significant. In John chapter 14, for example, he says this, I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate besides me to help you and be with you forever, implying once he's left earth. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him 
because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. So what Jesus is introducing here is the third facet, the third person of the Trinity, of the three-in-one God that he's a part of. God the Father, God the Son in Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus is referring to here. And he's referring to this reality that when the Holy Spirit becomes available, he'll be able to take up residence in human beings, to give them the capacity again to enjoy the ongoing presence of God in their lives. And at the end of the day, that's why Jesus' resurrection is so significant. It's super that we can study his life and his teaching. And it's incredible for us to celebrate his sacrificial death. But the real climax is the fact that Jesus didn't stay dead, but that he rose from the dead. And since then, his spirit has been alive and available to invade the lives of forgiven believers to reestablish what God set up when he first created us. This dynamic and this way of life where we would be able to live constantly enjoying his presence in our lives. Because the Holy Spirit is not just with us, he's living in us thanks to Jesus' resurrection. So not only do we long for the presence of God in our lives because that's the way God made us, that's what makes the good news of Jesus such good news that that dynamic can be reclaimed through his spirit's presence within us. Now that starts to beg a series of questions, doesn't it? The first one sounds something like this, I'm sure for at least a few of us. If I've chosen to follow Jesus, if I've been forgiven and in that sense received the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit to live within me, why is it that I would still long after him? Why is it that I would still sometimes feel a void or feel like God's not there or feel like I'm not connecting with him if he lives in me all the time and forever? Well, appreciate that from the Bible's perspective, not only did God design humanity with this capacity to rely on the presence of God within us. He also created us with the capacity for relating to him. He intended us to be in relationship with him, which goes both ways and involves shared reciprocal responsibility. And the responsibility from the perspective of humanity, once experiencing the residence of the Spirit of God. Once the Holy Spirit lives within us, the responsibility of humanity is to access and relate to God that way. Now, this can sound kind of mystical and a little bit elusive, so I'm going to try to take it slow and kind of walk us through this. Jesus illustrated it this way in John chapter 15 with his first disciples. He said there, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So among other places, here in John 15, Jesus uses a farming metaphor of a grapevine, which I thought was kind of appropriate, given that it's grape and wine weekend here across Niagara. And in this metaphor, he describes himself as the grape vine and followers of his as the branches. And he says that there's a way that we need to live that is spiritually fruitful and productive and a way that involves no spiritual value. And he says the difference between those two ways of living depends on whether the language he uses is remain in him. Using the image to remain connected to him. 
and, you know, quite specifically or practically, that's the key to experiencing the reality of the presence of God in our lives is to actively remain in him. So the question is, what does it mean to remain in him? Well, I think quite practically what it means is to increasingly live with a conscious awareness that recognizes the reality of the presence of God within us and consistently relies on that presence and power of God within us in our moment-by-moment, day-by-day needs. So if you think about it, when Jesus instructs his followers to remain in him, it presupposes that our natural disposition or our default is to not to. To unremain in him, to disconnect from him, to stray from him, to forget him, to go independent in life and to live as if he didn't exist, which for some of us may actually be the case. Even though we've put our faith in Jesus, trusted him to forgive our sins, and in that sense received his Holy Spirit, we've gone on and just kind of lived as if God you know, doesn't exist for most of the moments of most of the days. To remain in him is to increasingly figure out how to reverse the dial and reverse the trend of that default setting. So instead of detaching and living independently, we increasingly learn in moment by moment, conscious and deliberate ways to be aware of his presence, to be sensitive to the reality that he lives in us and to rely on his activity and allow it to trigger our relationship with him in a moment-by-moment, day-by-day kind of a way. Yes, God created us to experience life together with his presence. And Jesus' good news is that we can experience that today because of his risen Holy Spirit. But it only happens when we do our part in relationship with him by actively changing the default setting and consciously remaining in him moment by moment, day by day. Now that might trigger another question then is how do you do that practically. If God made me this way and he enables me to live this way because of Jesus and all I need to do is engage in certain behaviors, how is it that I learn or develop those behaviors? And the simple answer, but probably the most significant part of this conversation today, because it provides for us, I think, the bedrock of how it is that ordinary people learn Ordinary people like you and me learn to actively relate to God and enjoy his presence in our lives is simply this, to practice, to practice. You develop those behaviors through practice. Look at what it says in 1 Timothy chapter four. It says, train yourself to be godly for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. The biblical author here says that if you're going to live the life that God intends, if you're going to live the kind of God-shaped life that we would dream of, becoming all that you and God intend for you to be and enjoy God's presence in the process, it doesn't come automatically. And it doesn't come instantaneously. 
Yes, when you entrust your life to Jesus Christ, you receive his forgiveness instantaneously. You receive a new life and the opportunity for that new life instantaneously. And you receive the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life instantaneously. So the opportunity to enjoy God's presence is instantaneous, but the experience of God's presence is not. It's something that happens progressively over time in a growing way, hopefully, as we, as the Bible describes, train ourselves to be godly, as we learn the behaviors of what it means to relate to God. And when we talk about practice, that's exactly what we mean. We mean repeating spiritual activity, almost like, you know, spiritual calisthenics to build spiritual musculature so that we can develop the kinds of behaviors that change the default setting from drifting away to God to remaining in him and constantly being sensitive to and reliant on his presence within us. The secret when it comes to relating to God in a way that enjoys his presence in your life and mine is practice. Because if we practice, we develop the behaviors. If we develop the behaviors, we can remain in him. And as we remain in him, we can enjoy his presence in an ongoing way. So stop and think for a moment about some of the ways that you would like to experience the presence of God in your life to a greater degree. You know, there are some of us that that are carrying really heavy burdens these days. And we would love nothing more than to experience the closeness of God and to feel his comfort. So the question is, what can we practice that will enable us to embed ourselves in a more ongoing way in the reality of his love and nearness? There are some of us who are moving a mile a minute and, you know, we don't have time to, to think and you know, I wonder how many, for how many of us, you know, we could practice something that would allow us to slow down enough and to still our souls enough to hear him and to reflect on his big picture for our lives. Some of us are facing a difficult decision and we would love nothing more than the presence of God to emerge with some guidance and direction. Well, what, what is it in our lives then that we can practice that can build the biblical values of how God thinks and what he would choose so that we can increasingly experience the movement of his spirit to guide those values in our lives in day-to-day -day decisions? Some of us are looking for strength and to know that you know, even if there's no one around that we're not alone. What can we do? What can we practice that will remind us again and again and begin to set that default in our psyche to remain in him because we're confident that he's with us all the time? Think about some of the things, some of the ways in which you would love to experience the presence of God in your lives more. For some of us, you know, we're looking for more encouragement. For some, more faith. You know, for some, you know, more friendship and connection and so many other Ways in which we seek out God and want to experience him in our lives. But it all comes down to practice. What a 17th century monk named Brother Lawrence referred to as practicing the presence of God. Practicing things that will develop behaviors that will enable us to remain in him. That will allow us to enjoy his spirit's presence in our lives. 
And at a practical level, these days, that's what we refer to those activities as, as spiritual practices. And they're nothing more than what I've kind of already referred to. They're, they're like the spiritual equivalent of exercise. They're exercise or calisthenics for our soul. Repetitive exercises that can ingrain spiritual dynamics into our psyche that over time can be built to become behaviors and habits that can help change the default so that we remain in him. You know, for example, we can engage in the spiritual practice of Bible reading or Bible study or scripture memory so that over time in our psyche, the word of God and his values become embedded and begin to shape our default. We can engage in the practice of different kinds of prayers, prayers for strength or centering prayers, depending on where we find ourselves in order to kind of recalibrate our perspective spiritually and help us over time to learn more quickly and as a default setting to reconnect ourselves to God. We can engage like we do in environments like this in the practice of worship or in the practice of reflecting on music and reflecting on the lyrics so that through the musical tunes and through the lyrics, they can sear into our psyche and remind us of God's comfort and love in a time where we need it most. That's what engaging in spiritual practices can look like. And the point of the practices is to build habits so that habits lead to behaviors, so that behaviors lead to default setting changes, so that default setting changes translate into remaining in him and enjoying his presence in our lives. And just so we're clear, I hope that we can appreciate that there's no magic and no real spiritual punch in the practice themselves. You know, to really focus on the practice itself just for the sake of the, the spiritual practice is what's called religion. That's the hollowness of just going through the motions where you've got this checkbox of things that you feel like you need to do to be a good follower of Jesus or to make God happy. And so you just kind of go throughout your week checking the boxes, checking the boxes, checking the boxes, checking the boxes. And you never really feel close to God because you're focused on checking the boxes, not focused on the practices as a means to a greater end. They're not an end unto themselves. They're only a means to a greater end. To form habits, to build behaviors, to create a change default so that we can remain in Jesus and be able to experience and enjoy the reality of his presence in our lives. Well, that leads to the probably final question then. You know, if we understand that the way that we remain in him is through certain behaviors that change the default setting. And the way that we develop those certain behaviors is through practice, through repetitive exercise. Um, how is it, final question, I think is, you know, how is it that we learn what it is to practice? You know, where do we go to discover how to practice? You know, if, if we need to learn to practice to develop these behaviors, where, where can we turn? Where can we go? And around here at Southridge, this September, we want to invite you into around here at Southridge. Because particularly in environments like this, this provides you and I and us together a great opportunity to begin and to experiment with practicing the presence of God. Practicing those things that can become habits, that can drive behaviors, that can result in a lifestyle that remains in him and enjoys his presence in an ongoing way. Now, I know a lot of us, even outside the church, have all kinds of impressions on what a gathering like this exists to do. 
frankly, I think a lot of us would define this gathering as the church. Most of us, when they think of church, they think of a building that you go to or a time of day, usually on Sunday, where a group of people gather and do stuff. That's church. Church is a place that you go. For us around here, we view that very differently. Church is not a place that we go. Church is the people that we are. We've talked about that a lot, not the least of which was in our Vision Sunday a couple weeks ago. That the church, as we understand it, you know, is the empowered people of God, you know, designed by God to make a difference, to reveal his nature in the part of the world where God's placed us. Church is us. Church is not this place and this gathering that we've come to this morning. Now, that doesn't mean that this gathering is insignificant. It's just not church. We're the church. This is the gathering. And even when we talk about the gathering, I know that, you know, a number of different people, a number of different churches even, would view why we gather as a church differently, even if you're not defining it as the church. For some people, they would define these gathering times as the opportunity to expose people outside the church to what God is about. And so they're specifically oriented, you know, to target and to speak to a person before they place their faith in Christ so that they would have an easier accessibility to do that. In other cases, these gatherings are intended to be these miraculous, almost mystical signs and wonders experiences that blow people away with this almost magical, mystical sense of awe. You know, in other cases, they're intended to be kind of pick-me-ups, almost like pep rallies or rock concerts where it doesn't really matter what you do the the rest of the week. You can know that in this hour of every week, you know, you're going to be lifted up and you're going to be sent back into that big old bad world. Well, around here, we, we look at all of this somewhat differently because we understand that the church is us. The church is a people revealing Jesus to the world. And so what we exist to do as a church is to foster this lifestyle of devotion to Christ, to foster a way of life and to focus on all 168 hours of the week, not just one or a few. But the way in which we focus on that is through three specific, what we call primary programs, this gathering of which would be one of them. The other two we're going to talk about in the two successive weeks of this series called The Invitation. And in each of these primary programs, again, they don't exist as ends to themselves. They exist to foster and to drive a specific kind of feature or a specific aspect of this life in Christ that God intends us to experience. This one specifically exists to foster this aspect called relating to God. We call it inspiration because it refers to being inspirited, being conscious of and enjoying God's presence. And so we see this environment specifically intended to focus people and give us an experience to experiment with and develop spiritual practices, to learn about them, to try them, to experience them. And as we experience them, as we practice these things, we can form habits that can then become behaviors, that can change default settings, that can allow us to live a lifestyle enjoying the presence of God in a more ongoing way. 
And it's not just the experience in these gatherings that can help us practice. It's the experiences that will support from these gatherings. A couple of which we're going to talk about at the end of this service. Some kind of Sunday morning supports or some next step supports to give us some additional opportunities and some additional instructions of how to practice and what to practice during the week so that it's not just in this one hour or moments in this hour or so, but it's in an ongoing way throughout our week that we can practice and practice and practice and practice and practice so that those practices can begin to form habits and those habits can form a behavior and that behavior can change a default and that default can result in a life that remains in Jesus and is sensitive to and enjoying his presence in our lives. If we want to be people, this is how we're thinking about it, if we want to be people that enjoy the presence of God in our lives, We've got to remain in him. If we're going to remain in him, we've got to change the default. If we're going to change the default, we need to develop certain behaviors. If we're going to develop certain behaviors, we've got to practice them. And so we're going to gather in environments like this and we're going to support through environments like this that practice, 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 practice so that out the other end, we can enjoy the presence of God in our lives to a greater degree. I have a a pastor friend uh, I've known for a number of years who has taken very seriously this discipline of engaging in a a, a whole number of spiritual practices. And one of the practices that he had uh, for his family was to pray a scripture over his children every night as he kind of tucked them in bed or as they were falling asleep. Throw the scripture on the screen. It's from Numbers chapter 6. It says this, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. He'd do that every night with every one of his kids. Come into the room and as the lights went out, he'd say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And at some point, I'm sure the kids couldn't even understand what he was doing, but it got to the place where they started to really kind of track with what was happening. And uh, they wouldn't let him not visit their room at night. You know, if he was doing something else, they would call him in and they wouldn't let him leave until he prayed that prayer blessing. They started to get used to that that practice. It started to become a habit for them. And as they grew up, you know, before they would leave somewhere, they'd get dad to pray this prayer blessing. And, you know, in college, before they left the dorm or before they left a visit in their apartment or whatever, you know, they would just get dad to pray this blessing. And every time he would kind of leave by, by praying this blessing. Well, all of a sudden, one of his daughters was getting married. And on their wedding day, uh, the wedding party and everyone had kind of filed to the front through the processional. And the doors closed. And before they opened them up again, uh, his daughter stopped. They were just about to head into the auditorium. And his daughter stopped. And she said, Daddy, said, will you pray that prayer one last time for me? Will you pray that prayer just one last time? And so he kind of grabbed his bride daughter by the arms. And he looked her in the eyes and he just prayed, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And all of a sudden the doors busted open, the music played. And as this daughter walked down the aisle with her father at her side, gazing at her groom and soon to be husband, She didn't just enjoy the wonder of the moment and the wonder of the big day. She was soaking in the real-time blessing of the presence and affirmation of God in her life. Do you know how you experience 
the feeling and the sensation of the blessing and affirmation of God on big days through practice, 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 practice until it forms a habit and a behavior. You know how you experience the presence of God in your darkest days? Same way, through practice, practice, practice. And if we will commit to being people who spiritually practice and who treat environments like this as a spiritual gymnasium of sorts and who use environments like this and workouts like these to drive other workouts during the week where we can practice and practice and practice, then we can build the habits that drive the behaviors that create a way of life that turns the default setting to remaining in Christ, in our conscious of mind, so that moment by moment, day by day, we can enjoy all of the wonder of the presence of God in our lives. This September, that's what we're inviting you into. And if you know anyone, friend, family, coworker, classmate, teammate, neighbor, whatever, who you know in your heart of hearts is seeking after God and would love nothing more than to experience more of his presence in their life too, then I pray that you would make that your invitation to them as well. As we commit together to gathering as a family to practice the presence of God. Let's pray. God, I'm just thankful this morning that through Jesus, we can experience your presence. That in your love for us, you desire to be close to us and you desire to relate closely with us moment by moment, day by day in all of the unique highs and lows of every one of our lives. I pray that you would impress that even right now, even in this quietness of the space that you provide. Impress that on every one of our hearts and trigger within us that heart that responds and wants to seek after you. And help us to appreciate how a relationship with you works so that we can not only seek to experience your presence, we can not only long after you, but we can do what it takes to live that out, starting by engaging in a greater degree of spiritual practice. God, make this environment that kind of place and help it to be that kind of place even this morning. As we segue now into celebrating baptisms across all of our locations, God, as we hear these stories, kind of speak into our hearts and celebrate with these participants, challenge us if we've never taken this step before and allow us to be encouragers to these people so that they together as part of our spiritual family will help one another to practice your presence to a greater degree so that over time we can grow and take advantage of the wonderful opportunity that you give us to live by your spirit made possible only through the life, death, and miraculous resurrection of your son Jesus. So it's in his name that we pray all these things with special thanksgiving on a baptism Sunday. Amen.